Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for the gift of your children. We are grateful that you see us all as beloved children. Today, we plumb the depths of a mystery, the Trinity, your identity, which is unity and community and the fullness of God. Oh Lord, open our hearts and minds to understand this thing that is so much more than we can understand. Help us now through your Holy Spirit as we listen carefully to your word. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. Our gospel lesson is John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. And let's hear the word of God. Listen for the Trinity, which is very present in this text. And this is Jesus talking with his disciples, a very uh, intimate conversation that goes on for several chapters. Jesus says this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asks me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, or the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Only if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Listen to that again. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me about righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it or give it to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. 
This seems unrelated, but it's not, I promise. Uh, June the 4th was uh, Shannon and my 17th anniversary. I cannot believe we've been married 17 years. That was our 17th anniversary. Uh, I, I want to tell you, we are very, very romantic people. That's who we are. You all should have figured that out by now. We're very romantic. Uh, every Sunday night, when we have someone to watch the children, we take a drive. We take a very special drive to go to Walmart to get the pickup order for the week. That's what we do. We usually stop by Donut Country and we get one blueberry cake donut, which we split in half and share on the way back home. We pay for this donut from the change found in the bottom of Shannon's purse because it is not otherwise allotted in the family budget. So we have to pay for it out of that change. I don't want it to be on a card somewhere. So we have to, we have to do that. We're very romantic, romantic people. Um, on our anniversary, I, I talked about, I thought about giving her this old Mother's Day card that I bought two years ago for her, and I forgot to fill it out. Anybody else do that? You buy a card and forget to... I found it in my nightstand, and I thought, oh, I'll just give her this for anniversary. It was a beautiful card. I was going to mark out Happy Mother's Day and just say Happy Anniversary and sign it and give it to... Well, I forgot to fill that out, too, so I didn't, I didn't do that, but... It's okay because she didn't give me a card either on our anniversary, which, again, was, was really fine. She did make a nice, a really nice Facebook post. Some of you may have seen her nice Facebook post with our pictures through the last 17 years. And I said, thank you so very much. I will not be doing that. <laughs> I'll not make a Facebook post. And she said, that's fine. I never did think you would anyway. On our anniversary morning, TJ, our our almost two-year-old, he woke us up at 4.30, and so I got up because it was our anniversary and went to change his diaper and put him back to sleep, and she said, she kind of sleepily said, happy anniversary to me, I guess. That was how our anniversary started and how it ended, too. Uh, we did get to go see Top Gun Maverick. Anybody seen Top Gun? Oh, my goodness, what a great movie. We went to see that, and we went out to a very nice dinner. We splurged at our very nice dinner, and we did not have to split an entree. That was our anniversary celebration. We were home by 7.30 to put the children to bed. All was well on our 17th anniversary. We, if you can tell, we're not actually very romantic at all. We kind of struggle with the whole romance thing, but we do. We do really like to dance in our kitchen. Anybody else like to dance in, in the kitchen? Yeah, we like to dance in our kitchen. Uh, don't even have to have music to do that. For, for 17 years, we have been doing a little two-step between the stove and the sink nearly every day, nearly every day, wherever we have lived. It's just, it's just what we do, and it's, we, we love it. There's a little sign in our kitchen that says, this kitchen is for dancing, and that's, it's there because that's what our kitchen is for. That dancing is very special to us. Shannon said, uh, 17 years of marriage and only once did I think we weren't going to make it. She also says, only one other time did I think you weren't going to make it. <laughs> I, said, I said, it must be my good dancing. That's what has kept us together. Wherever we have been, good times and bad, that dancing is just where home is for us. It's just where, where home is. It's a much-needed reminder to us. This is, as you've heard, Trinity Sunday. It is a special set-aside day in the life of the church for a reminder about what we call the Trinity. In the Christian church, we describe God as triune, the triune God. That means three in one, 
1 and 3. It's very confusing, very confusing, but also very important. We do worship one true God, but that one true God is made up of three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Sometimes we say creator, redeemer, sustainer. We find this scattered throughout the Old and the New Testaments. It is especially present in some of Jesus' talk about his relationship with the Father and the Spirit, especially in John's Gospel, which we just read. If you keep reading, though, in the New Testament, you begin to discover that Paul and Peter and Timothy and those others, while they really did not have a clear understanding of this doctrine of the Trinity, they didn't have a neat and tidy presentation of the Trinity, for a couple hundred years, really, the church struggled to figure out how to talk about this thing called the Trinity. The great tension that we found all the way back at the beginning came from a series of questions. The first one, is Jesus the Son of God or is Jesus God? Which is it? Is He the Son of God or is He God? Is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, an agent of God or is the Spirit actually God? And then what happens to the role of the Father or the Creator when these other two persons, the Son and the Spirit, are made co-equal with the Creator. What does that do to our doctrine, to our thinking? Do we suddenly wind up with a pantheon of gods like Edith Hamilton's mythology, Zeus, Hermes, all those people? Or are we still faithful to our Hebrew heritage? Do we still worship the one true God, Yahweh? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is how many? One. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. We find that in the Old Testament. Well, we did work this out, sort of, but there were a lot of bumps and fights along the way. In fact, the Eastern Orthodox Church, a thousand years later, while they're still not real happy with the rest of us about how we talk about the Trinity, but they tolerate us and we tolerate them, there are still, even in our part of the world, uh, Jesus-only people, Jesus-only people who hold that Jesus is the embodiment of the one true God, and thus they very carefully just worship Jesus. We have to work very hard to hold all of this together. Thankfully, we've got some great old hymns that help us do this, some songs that help us get our minds around this. I want to I look at one called Maker in Whom We Live. This is a beautiful old Wesley hymn. I want you to sing it with me. We've got uh, Nancy over here. I'm going to come over if I can get to you. Let's sing this together. salvation to our God. 
salvation to the Lamb. Here comes the Spirit. Spirit of holiness, let all thy saints adore thy sacred energy and bless thine heart renewing power. Not angel tongues can tell thy love's ecstatic light, the glorious joy the beatific side. Here come all three. Eternal triune God, let all the hosts above, let all on earth be I only changed keys twice myself while we were singing. Y'all stayed with it. That's good. Now, here we have it in song, and some say, well, that's good, preacher, but where is the biblical evidence for the Trinity? Where is the biblical evidence? Well, just go back to the very beginning, okay? Go back to the start. It's always good to go back to the start. Genesis 1, what does it say? Let us, let us create humankind in our image. It doesn't say, let me create humankind in my image. It said, Let's, let us create humankind in our image. Somehow there is an us who is not us, but who has called us into existence and who walks with us today still. Why did God say us? The theologians of old talked about it like this. They would say, the Father is and is not the Son is and is not the Spirit. The Son is and is not the Spirit, is and is not the Father. The Spirit is and is not the Father, is and is not the Son. The Creator is always creating. The Redeemer is always redeeming. The Sustainer is always sustaining. They have these three very distinctive identities, and yet they are always together, never apart. Always together, never apart. This is a divine mystery. And endless energy, which has been creating since the beginning, which will be creating beyond the end. Jesus, the Redeemer, prays in John 17 that all who believe in him would be made one. That's what Jesus prays. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus prays that you and I would be caught up into this mysterious, endless, creating, redeeming, sustaining force that is the triune God. Can you imagine? What would that even look like? What does that look like as we live this thing out? Well, some folks called the Cappadocians, the Cappadocian Christians, they spent a lot of time working on this. Actually, they spent about 400 years trying to get their minds as a community around the idea of the Trinity between the mid-300s to the mid-700s, they developed a word called perichoresis. Perichoresis. Can you say that? Perichoresis. Try it again. 
There you go, perichoresis. That word describes the inner workings of the Trinity. The three members of the Trinity are engaged in this continual dance around the heart of the triune God. That's what perichoresis means. It is a dance around the heart of the triune God. It is a continual dance, always creating, always redeeming, always sustaining around the heart of the triune God. Jesus has prayed for his followers to be included in this dance around the heart of God. Now, doesn't that do something to deepen our understanding of worship, the life of faith, relationship with God, our sense of purpose, our relationship even with each other? There's nothing stagnant or flat or stale about that. For Christ followers, life is a dance with the one true God who is creating, redeeming, sustaining, dancing together with God's people. Now, let's look back at John 16. We find, we find in John 16 the three persons of the Trinity dancing together around the heart of God. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He tells us all that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, is coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is going to do something very, very important. Did you catch that? The Spirit, it says, will prove the world wrong. The Spirit will prove the world wrong about three ideas which lie at the heart of the brokenness of humanity. This is the dance that we learn around the heart of God. Get your up and coming out, that uh, thing we gave you when you came in. There's a little table in there. You can follow with me if you'd like to. Here are the three ideas. We'll take them one at a time. The first idea that the Spirit confronts is the idea of sin, sin. The world says, if I can just be good enough, or at least pretty good, maybe God will have mercy on me. This is what I call the do-it-myself method of salvation. If I can just be good enough, there is hope that God will have mercy on me. The Spirit convicts, the Spirit makes clear, no, that's not it at all. Jesus is the one who sets us free from this sin, the misunderstanding, and from all other sin. Belief in Jesus is the pathway to freedom. That's the first idea. The second is righteousness. The world says to us, the only righteousness that matters is that mine be just a little greater than yours. Okay, that's, that's how we in the world think about righteousness. It's a competition, right? The Spirit convicts, the Spirit critiques, the Spirit changes this and says, no, no, Jesus bears the only true righteousness. We who believe in him and follow him stand in the righteousness of Christ, not ever our own righteousness. This is crucial as we think about our relationships with each other. You see, if we all stand in the righteousness of Christ, then it is not about your righteousness or mine. It is about his righteousness. That's what the Spirit brings into our hearts and minds. That's how the Spirit convicts the world. Here's the third idea, judgment, particularly judgment of the evil one or the ruler of this world. The world says, we hear this all the time, that the evil one prowls about like a roaring lion, giving us the endless excuse, the devil made me do it. Anybody ever said that before? The devil made me do it. That's our endless excuse 
Well, the Spirit says, no, no, that's not exactly right. The Spirit convicts and says, Jesus tells us, you can't say that anymore because Jesus has overthrown the evil one. The devil has been judged, defeated, justice has been done. While he certainly still prowls around, he is no longer an excuse for our apathy or our inaction. These are the ways the Spirit convicts the world. Imagine this dance rooted in God. These three ideas of humanity, sin, righteousness, and judgment, they are transformed. They are transformed from a club with which we beat each other into channels of grace where we meet the one true God and live with Him forever. That is the dance that we get to dance around the heart of God. Oh, my goodness. The world watches, the Spirit convicts, and we marvel at how many will join the dance. Shannon and I have talked a lot lately about how hard the last five years of our marriage have been. We were uh, 12 year, almost 12 years before Annabelle came along, 12 years just the two of us. We were blissfully ignorant of how hard children are. We were going on spontaneous dates. We had 10-day beach trips every summer. We were experiencing the freedom of adulthood without children for 12 years. The last five years have not been like that, okay? 10-day beach trips in the summer with children? Not a vacation. No, not a vacation. Two days I'm ready to go back to work so I can rest. That's what, that's what happens. Spontaneous date night? What is that? We have to plan for months to have a date. That's just what it takes now with, with children. Even our fighting has changed. We used, to, we used to stay up all night when we had a fight. Being faithful to those scriptures, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, we did that every time. Now, we get in one of those arguments, we stop at 8.30. I've got an alarm set on my phone. We go to bed at 8.30 no matter what's happening. You know why? Because if you don't sleep when the little people sleep, it's all over. You might as well go to the house. You've got to go to bed at 8.30 because they're already asleep. Don't miss that time to sleep. But after 17 years, we are still dancing in the kitchen. We still are. Perichoretic moves around the heart of our home. Though that has changed too, the children, they are always there like Cheerios in the couch, Okay. Do you know what they do when we start dancing? From the time they could crawl or drag themselves across the floor, the moment that we begin to two-step around the kitchen, music or not, whether they can see us or not, they can feel it, they come running. They want to dance too. And it is so much more wonderful than it was before. Jesus says, if we will just join the dance... If we will just join the dance, the Spirit will convict the world and all of humanity will come running. They want to dance too. They really do. God has made us all the same with an innate desire to dance with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit around the heart of God, creating, redeeming, sustaining transforming this tired old world into a proper home for God and for the rest of us. Your job, my job, 
is to just dance around the heart of God and to remember on this Trinity Sunday, God is God and we are not. Thanks be to God. Amen.